You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. There's a familiar cycle emerging when it comes to violent encounters between police and civilians. A hastily shot cell phone clip or perhaps a dashboard cam video goes viral immediately. Hashtag is born, and whether it's Michael Brown or Philando Castile, we go on to encounter that video countless times throughout a news cycle. And also consider this. Users sign on to Facebook Live to broadcast any number of events in their lives, including violent encounters. Earlier this year, a teenage girl was raped by a Facebook user broadcasting the assault live. And though several people were watching the video, no one bothered to call the police. Is this just a new normal? Has violence on video desensitized us to suffering? What does that do to us? What are the effects or even consequences of this viral violence, especially on communities of color? We want to follow up our initial conversation today, which was about police officers who misbehave violently, uh, often violently in our communities, get fired and then find new jobs with a discussion about what we see with regard to violence, what we see with regard not just to violence involving police, what we see with regard to violence more generally in our society and how prevalent it all is and what effect it has on our minds. Is it informing us? Is it telling us more about the world we live in and allowing us to make better choices, better policy choices as a result? Or is it just so much that it desensitizes us and we can't really react the way we should? Joining me now to talk about it is Dr. Carl Taylor, sociology professor at Michigan State University. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. You can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work your comments into the conversation Call and tell us what you think when you see these viral videos of violence, police violence or other violence. Does it make you inspired to make change? Does it make you think differently about policy? Or are you just overwhelmed? Do you just feel helpless almost uh, in the reaction that you have to those images? Uh, Dr. Taylor, welcome to the show. It's good to hear from you. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Yeah. So, so uh, talk about how you see this, the, the prevalence of these things. You, you and I have had a conversation before about how one of the things that's true today is how much more aware people are of some historical problems because of the prevalence of things like cell phones. So uh, the, the, the killing of Philando Castile, for instance— is something that everybody could witness. And, and 10 years ago, that was something that you could only hear about. Uh, but, but is it all too much? Is it all making us less reactive to the idea of violence? Is it normalizing that violence in a way that is making it harder to deal with it uh, than it would be? Excellent question, uh, and a tough one. Um, it has, uh, I think, an impact that varies. Uh, when you speak of the one that was in Minnesota, 
when the whole world was able to see uh, the police officer shoot this young man who was going for his permit, and then he overreacted and it ended very sadly with the little girl in the back. Who does it impact and how? Uh, for myself, it was horrifying, and we've seen too much of it in that very short time clip. That's what the technology has done. Mm -hmm. It's a plus and a minus. It sticks with us. It haunts us, uh, many of us. Well, I'll just say myself. And it's repeated. You know, it's played over and over and over and over. So it becomes like it does normalize it. Um, I have an essay called The Normalization of Ignorance and Violence. Uh, that violence is part of it, whether it's the police violence or the bad actors' violence. We don't think about children. You have children. Um, children are impacted yes. immensely by seeing this, and uh, it reinforces stereotypes at times. Um, it's complex, but uh, it is something that doesn't go away. And I think it has done both uh, justice and then undermine injustice. And And... What is the, I guess, what's the, the, the answer to that, though? I mean, what's the, what's the solve in our society for the sort of prevalence of violence that is linked to the availability of violent images? I mean, it's a debate we've been having for a really long time in America. I mean, I think back to the, to the 1980s, uh, you had several significant campaigns try to deal with violent images and media uh, mostly in the entertainment in industry, as a way of of you know, as you as you say, conditioning children, especially, to think differently about this. Now we're not talking about entertainment so much; it's news that that is presenting us with these images, and so it, it almost seems as though it's a more confounding kind of issue. It's very difficult because then we begin to talk about. Uh, a democracy and a right to know and to see, and then you cross the line of society telling parents what they should let their children see and not see. I think it's very unhealthy for young people, uh, children in particular, to see the violence. It scares them beyond words. Many times they can't express it. It reinforces the ignorance many times. And I'm also speaking of the educated ignorance that a lot of people may, uh, and no offense to uh, anyone in particular, but you do have those who feel they get your gun and defend yourself on all sides of this argument, mm -hmm. and that this is your right, this is what you need to do, this is what you have to do. So kids have a very closed, and some people have a very closed mind, that I'm defending myself, and you can't take it back. I think of uh, the, the man in Dearborn Heights who shot the young woman through the door, uh -huh. uh, who's now in prison, who outside of that was an everyday citizen, and now he's spending a part of his life in prison. So I don't know what we can do because we're so divided right now. And the moment you start talking about any gun legislation or, or monitoring, then you have a very strong uh, backlash. You have those who come forth and say, this is life, this is the way it is. I was raised as a child uh, in a community, and my parents in particular, my brother and I, were shielded from violence, and thank God. And we still saw it. Um, gun violence is not the only type of violence, but there's this attitude that is floating. It's not floating, it's like breathing air, <laughs> that either get them or they will get you. And them can be an assortment of people. It's racial, uh, it's class, sure. um, it's also uh, gender, uh, sexuality that certain people, it's okay to beat the hell out of them. 
So it's a very complex uh, subject. And when you look at the police, I think the really bad news is that when you see certain videos and it looks cut and dry, and then they come back acquitted or found not guilty, that reinforces a fear. I'm speaking of myself. Sure. You know, uh, that even when you see something, you know, it's like the old Richard Pryor uh, joke, who are you going to believe, uh, me or your lying eyes? <laughs> and that is the attitude for many people. Some people don't care. Uh, even when you shoot an unarmed person in the back and then you say, well, they weren't, you know, they didn't obey me. It's like obey a dog. I think law enforcement has to do a lot of weeding out itself. The justice has to be found, and when it's not found, it makes the violence even worse, I think. It yeah. tells the young people that you can't trust uh, law enforcement, you can't trust this American democracy. You must take matters into your own hands. And there is our Achilles heel right there. You take matters into your own hands, even if it's not with a gun. You have the right to beat the hell out of someone because you don't like the way they look or what they said. Uh, It's really lost upon us right now. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Carl Taylor. And we want to hear from you on the phones. What do you think about viral violent images? Are they informing us or are they desensitizing us? Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Carl Taylor. He's a sociology professor at Michigan State University. We are talking about viral images of violence. Think of all of the things that we are able to see, uh, not through entertainment, but through news platforms of violent images, shootings by police of innocent people. Uh, Somebody in Chicago recently Facebook lived uh, a rape, and while people sat and watched, they didn't call the police. Is there something about these images or the prevalence of these images that makes us desensitized to the violence? It makes us not have the reactions that we should to change policy to prevent violence. If you want to join the conversation, uh, tell us, what does seeing these videos do to you? Do you watch videos of these things that we see? Have you watched the Philando Castile video where not only are you seeing somebody uh, who was hurt, you're seeing a man die on a screen. You were able to sit and watch as his life slipped away. Uh, do you think these videos provide some insight or are they just really disturbing to you? And do we need to be able to see these videos to try to make change, to try to make America less violent? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Dr. Taylor, I want to talk uh, specifically about minority communities Uh, which I think are, first of all, affected more by this violence than other communities are. But I also wonder if they are more affected by the videos, by the images. 
Uh, is there is there a different kind of desensitization that's taking place in minority communities, for instance, uh, than than majority communities around this issue? Well, I'll, I'll tread very carefully in our research, which has been in Detroit over the last four decades. Mm-hmm. We have found, uh, without any question, a very negative impact from those videos. Again, when you see in the last couple of years, when you see minority members, and I don't even like the word, but when you see members of a community in Cleveland and Chicago, all over the place, being shot by um, each other sometimes, Mm -hmm. but in particular by law enforcement, it sends a very chilling effect to uh, not trust law enforcement, whereas my generation, and I know some people are going to jump when I say this, but I'm a native of Detroit, as you know, and my parents taught me that the police were my friend as a kid. You know, if you got lost, you go to the police. And I didn't have bad experiences. I didn't start seeing the ugly side of policing until I became grown and a college student. Then I saw another side of the police. And I will say before everyone else jumps up, that I was very sheltered, uh, not overly sheltered, but I was sheltered. Mm-hmm. Uh, the community at large kept kids away from seeing these images, but you can't do that, not in this age. And I would say uh, that it is entertainment for some, unfortunately. You know, poor parenting. Uh, you can't be with your kid all the time. You give them the phones. And, you know, there's no filter on this. So it is entertainment in the wrong hands. And family members and adults are not watching what kids are seeing. But the other thing is that it is just 24-7. You cannot separate what is a video from the real life anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's very difficult. I mean, and and as a parent in a minority community, you feel under siege from, from all sides, I think. Yes, you do. Uh, you feel under siege from the threat of violence to your children and your family, but also under siege from the, the nonstop uh, sort of uh, uh, presentation of these violent acts through video and through uh, these images. I mean, it, it, is, uh, it is sort of 360, 360 degrees. Uh, well, the inconsistency also. I mean, <clears throat> you have citizens not who support law enforcement, and they seem to give law enforcement a pass. Don't care how you get the bad guys or who you think are the bad actors. And then when the police uh, have their own transgressors, um, we have those same citizens say, well, that's okay. They should have did what they were told to do. Well, if you don't get down on the ground and 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 uh, do what the police say, you should not have a death sentence. You should not be shot. Right. Uh, the sensitivity is uh, very polarized, and I think that is very frightening to myself as a, a grown African-American man uh, who has close family members that are in law enforcement. I'm more fearful today than ever before because I look a certain way. You know that, Stephen. Sure. I'm dark chocolate. I have a beard. <laughs> I'm big. Uh, someone's, uh, you know, I'm very quick to say, no, 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 no. I got my hand up. I'm, I'm a dad. I'm a college professor. Please, please understand. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's not a good feeling to have. I should not be feeling that way as a citizen. Right. Let's go to the phones here. Frank in Detroit. Frank, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Steve. Thank you for your program. Sure. Um, I wanted to come at this at a little bit of a different angle. Um, From the point of view of being desensitized to the violence that we perpetrate abroad, 
via the U.S. military and all the aggression, all the wars of aggression abroad, you know, whether it be Iraq, whether it be uh, Afghanistan, whether it be Yemen, etc., we live in such a constant state of sanctions, military, taxpayer-funded violence, that actually doesn't make it into our uh, awareness. Yeah, we don't see that the same, right? Um, uh, that's a really that's a really interesting point, Frank. That the idea that we we uh, as a country are involved in violence that's not presented to <laughs> to the American public, which itself is an act of desensitization. I think Carl Taylor is that right? Well, I think it's been turbo boost. I think he makes a Excellent point. Mm-hmm. But we've always been that way. We, When I was a kid, you know, these were the bad guys, whether, you know, you're the Indian, I'm the cowboy. Um, <laughs> there's a legacy that has uh, been uh, put up that bad people, the enemy of the state, deserve uh, the death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we've always had that. And so the wars are good. You know, we're even when we had the beginning of, of this technology and that you were bombing he is correct. With the bombing looked like a video game. Right. We never thought about innocence. You know, the other day I was speaking somewhere and I said, I believe strongly that Syrian mothers, Russian mothers, and American mothers all love their children. Sure. We don't look at the innocent children and innocent people that are killed in war. And he's correct. But that's been a long, long uh, history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Gabrielle in Ann Arbor. Welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, and thank you. Um, I just wanted to mention the effects of PTSD on violence and how it kind of plays into the subject. I think it's a, I think it should be introduced and included in the conversation. And thank you for your time. Yeah, I, I, and and Gabrielle, I assume what you're talking about is is the PTSD that people can suffer as a as a result of witnessing uh, violence. Uh, Dr. Taylor, I would imagine that that figures into your research as well. Uh, Absolutely. I, I think the same thing even for those who are in uh, social workers, law enforcement, and, and children and all, absolutely, that it has an impact. And I think we just do not weigh in mental health mm-hmm. enough in this whole discussion. Uh, the mental health can't be good. Uh, I look at the children that I have. Uh, I remember on one side of Detroit, I won't say where, where I had a young family and the, and the baby was crying. She's going to kindergarten because she had to buy, you know, walk past a uh, dead person who was a, a drug addict. And can you imagine? I can. I, I walked to school in a very happy in the 50s. I know I'm old. But uh, passing, not a dead animal, which is tough, but a dead person as a kindergartner? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we don't have mental health. The psychologists, the psychiatrists there talk about prevention and what to do when children are exposed to this. It's just, as you said earlier, we're getting hit from all sides. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Carl Taylor, sociology professor at Michigan State University. As always, thanks for joining us on Detroit Today. That's going to do it for us today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. The program director is Joan Isabella. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Associate producers are Gus Navarro and Ria Basha. The Detroit Today theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobian. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.